Beginning the track, a 52-episode introduction to Star Trek. The Jem'Hadar, the evil soldiers. I shouldn't do that. I've complained about singing on other shows. <laughs> That's true. You have complained about Star Trek songs, and here you are singing. Tisk tisk. There was no singing in the Jem'Hadar. No, there was a whole lot of other stuff. I had a hard time getting this down to a short synopsis. And, and I'm sure because we also talked about the search as part of this episode too, that some of those thoughts probably bled into this. It's you're, you're starting to learn about who the dominion are now and it's getting big and hold juicy. up though. We can't talk about that because we haven't even introduced. So hi everybody. Welcome to beginning the trek. I'm Jessica, the newbie, everything all exciting and shiny, even though it's more than 20 years old, at least. <laughs> and I'm Andy. I'm the veteran. Everything's old and dusty and uh, more than 20 years old, uh, at least. <laughs> <laughs> no, everything is... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> that took me a second. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> hey, you know, those improv classes really paid off for me. But uh, no, I'm the veteran here, and uh, I've created this list of uh, 52 episodes for Jessica and you to watch to um, get a complete introduction to all of the TV series of Star Trek. And today we're doing, what are we doing today? We're doing Jem Hadar. The Jem Hadar, episode 34. I know, you're confused because we actually talk kind of the two that followed that as well. But if you haven't seen the Jem Hadar, definitely go watch it. Way better. Uh, if you haven't seen much Star Trek at all, like definitely go back to the beginning of the show because this is meant to be watched in order. And Andy has done an incredible job, and I'm only barely starting to appreciate it. I'm pretty sure by the time we hit 51, I'm going to be like, wow, that was an incredible setup to the introduction of all of Star Trek. Well, thank you. That makes me feel really good. Wow, I appreciate that. I try, I try my best because... Well, I, I mean, obviously, I love the show. So um, anything that I can do to bring more people to it is, that's a big part of my life. So I love that you're loving it. Thank you. Thank you. I am. Well, I'm, I'm like with all Star Trek fans, you start off with a new show or any show and you're like, what is happening? What is going on? Some of this is really bad. And this, this one was the one, not Jem'Hadar necessarily. And we'll talk about that later. But this was the one <laughs> in DS9. This was the turning point. I felt it. This is the definite turning. And this is the this is what I wanted to bring you up to. We we you know we talked about why wasn't the search on the fifty two, and it may have been. Mm -hmm. I may have made an error. It may have made more sense to make the search the official episode and the Jem'Hadar the one to really go watch. But those two episodes that story arc and it's really three because the search is two-parter um mm -hmm. it's so important to understanding how deep space nine is going forward so um i want to hear your 10 sentences about the gem hadar you don't have to do anything about the search and i didn't there's no way i could even fit i couldn't hardly fit gem hadar into these well let's see what you did do it Okay, so we start off. Jake is working on a science project, and it's pretty weak, so Cisco gives him the option of actually going on a father-son trip to the Gamma Quadrant. They're pretty pumped about this until Jake says Nog's got to come along, and if Nog's coming along, so is Quark. 
The trip goes about as well as any road trip, with Quark playing the part of the whiny kid in the back seat trying to buy advertising on DS9, and Nog running off because he's totally uncool and Jake has to go after him. Sisko contains his rage, as Quark points out that humans have no right to look down on Ferengi, and just when we've realized how bigoted Sisko actually is, a woman comes out of the forest running from the Jem'Hadar, who are invisible soldiers, right up until they attack, and they take all three prisoner. The boys come back and find Sisko and Quark gone, and follow them until they see the soldiers, and then decide to return to the runabout to get help from DS9. If only they could figure out where that big red return home button is instead of entertaining us all with their autopilot antics. Meanwhile, the woman's name is Eris, and while Quark screams about getting fed, she fills them in on the Jem'Hadar. They're evil, they're from the Dominion, and they can only escape if Quark could pretty please use his unworthy skills to free her of the collar. DS9 is informed by the Jem'Hadar soldiers that Sisko's being detained for questioning, and oh yeah, all those things that have been coming through the wormhole, they're all dead. So the USS Odyssey arrives looking quite shiny and Enterprise-esque to save the day! But while we manage to get Sisko, Quark, Nog, and Jake back safely, the Odyssey is blown up while turning around in a suicide mission by the Jem'Hadar ships. Not only that, but Eris, this woman we saved, turns out to be who-knows-what-level bad guy, beaming away to who-knows-where with a lot of evil threats. Also, go watch The Search, because you can't just leave that there. Shall we talk some Jem'Hadar? I think we should, but... Before we talk Jem'Hadar, I would like to address something you said, because you said, watch The Search, episodes one and two, after you watch Jem'Hadar. Yes, yes. And I did. And it finally got great. I have been waiting to say this about DS9, because I know I've been giving out a lot of three out of fives, because I'm like, I can see this. It's good. But like, do I really want to sit down? Do I, would I say, would I go to a friend and say, oh my gosh, you have to watch this. This is so exciting. Finally. And it isn't the one, like, what if I hadn't have watched these two? What if I had just watched the Gem Hadar? I would have no idea. Yeah. Oh my God, it got so good. It's so good. Fortunately, you have me <laughs> to make hard suggestions to you, strong suggestions to you. I mean, yeah, we put this restriction of 52 on the list, mm -hmm. and for the most part, we're kind of keeping to it. But every now and then, I got to be able to tell you, look, if you don't go watch this one, even though I don't have room for it, it's a disservice. Yeah. So, so we're going to talk about the Jim Hadar now. And then during Talking Trek, we'll talk about the search. Okay. Okay? Yes. And it's going to be hard because you know things now. Yes. You want to know how hard it's been for me? Because <laughs> yeah. I know everything. Right, right. <laughs> or at least I know everything that they tried to display to us. So, um, yeah. it's So now you're into be careful of the spoilers. I will try to contain myself because you're absolutely right. I did, and I watched them, uh, watched the one and then watched it again and then uh, the two after that. And by the time I got to the, the second one, I was just like, well, why didn't he just have me watch these two as one episode and not the Gem Hadar? That's crazy. Because it's three episodes long. Well, because it's, because it's so important to watch, to watch the Gem Hadar so that you can first meet them. 
so that you can get that subterfuge from... I guess. No, you're right. And we'll say, yeah, let's, well, let's get started. Uh, first off, and I'm going to give this another three out of five. So this one has three out of five campfires. Okay. Got it. Uh, because you very rarely see campfires show up in uh, Star Trek episodes. Yes. Oh boy. I just flashed to a scene in Star Trek five that just is making my head shake. We won't, we're not talking about Star Trek V right now at no. all. Jim Hadar, this is the one where Cisco and Jake start out having a science experiment on a father-son trip, and it turns into a whole other thing. Yeah. Dad of the year, by the way. It was very cool to, to see. I liked a lot of the realism in this all the way from him being a dad and, and knowing you can do better than this son and then actually giving the opportunity for his son to do something really big and grow mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. to Nog's hissing and walking off because his uncle's so not cool and he's ruining the trip. It's just, I, I loved those little moments and there's so many of them in this particular episode. It was fun. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I, I Another moment, another great little interaction or a set of interactions with uh, Nog and Jake. Mm-hmm. You get that again, which I think is just awesome. A couple of moments didn't play quite as authentic. I wish that Nog's panicky moments were a little bit more authentic when, you know, at the... They're pretty When hokey. they're already back up there. They're yeah. very hokey. But apart from that, man, it is just so much fun to see these, these four interact together on the camping trip. It is. Uh... I do have like a tiny, tiny side note. I think what they could have done to fix the hokiness a little bit and give Nog just a little bit more is if he had been in the driver's seat instead of Jake. Or if Jake had gotten frustrated and said, fine, then will you do it? And then we learned that Nog has a bit of an affinity for driving the roundabout. That would have been really cool. And instead, it, they kind of didn't do that. Uh, it's still, it still played. I mean, it's hokey and campy, but it, it, was, it was still fun. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this correction because I can hear uh, the, the, the neurons firing in, in Trekkies' minds everywhere. Mm-hmm. Run, runabout. Oh, I'm sorry. Not roundabout or runabout. Either one would make a great band name. Uh, sure. <laughs> sure. New Star Trek cover band. Runabouts. I'll learn these things. No, you're, you're getting there. Just I, I heard it, and I know they heard it. So that's totally fair. I don't want to. I don't want to call things that they aren't. There's just kind of a lot. Well, well, I figured I could, but um, loved the, and even in that first, those first interactions with, um, where, they're, where they're still camping before, mm-hmm. before things go to hack. Quark is starting to argue for, not necessarily their superiority, but, but certainly he's telling Cisco, you know, you're not as high and mighty as you think you are. Um that shows up a little bit at the beginning during the campfire. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he complains about having to eat foreign bugs, uh, which is just awesome. Only like Ferengi bugs. What's wrong with you? This this episode is worth watching just for when Armin Schiberman says, I'm not even going to have any more of that jumble. What's a pot? <laughs> you know, jumble. It's so funny. He is brilliant in this episode. He is brilliantly annoying in this episode. And I have to say, I went back and rewatched yet again Rules of Acquisition. Yes. And I'm liking the Ferengi. Yeah. Way, way more. And there's something else, and this gets into a little bit more. I'm liking Garrick, too. How about that? So there's a weird thing that's happening where I'm falling in love with the Ferengi, just a tiny bit. And I don't know how to handle it, <laughs> except to just enjoy it. 
You know what? No, this is this is how it works. If you get to it, if you can get into Deep Space Nine, mm-hmm. I think Andy's opinion: some of the best, juiciest Star Trek of all the series. And we're there now. The characters have started to get developed. You're starting to see Cisco now. Mm-hmm. You got to see him as a dad. Mm-hmm. You got to see him deal with trying to be a diplomat. You got to see him be an action guy. What? what you tell me what you saw. Uh, for Cisco, I'm still not quite connected to whatever he's doing. But I will say, I've always loved him as a dad. Those moments when he's with Jake are uh, some of the best, and I, I, I really enjoy them. The moments when he's frustrated and he has to check himself, I really enjoy that because he, he gives us a chance to see that. Of Quark is pissing him right off every step of the way. And he's not going to punch the wall. He's not going to say anything. He checks himself, but you can see the anger and the frustration in him. And that was, that was, it was, I was like, oh, okay, this is Cisco. He's holding back kind of a lot of rage, in my opinion, just in general. Well, remember what this assignment was before the wormhole. This was the butt end of space. Right. Out here in the middle of nowhere with pretty much a hopeless cause helping a people that didn't even know how to help themselves yet and didn't want him there and didn't want him there you know i mean this was a this was a crap assignment so think about the man that he was and think about the man that he's turning into over these now couple of years that you've seen him sure there's definitely an arc there uh i think mm-hmm. i got shoved way too hard in the beginning with and i think i said this on on twitter it was from the very first moment, it was like meeting somebody, shaking their hand, and then having them scream at you, my wife is dead. It was that uncomfortable watching him play that character in that moment. And I I yeah. don't think that's a knock to the actor. I think that was just, they were trying to throw a lot into that one not pilot. And it was a lot to throw at somebody. So I, I'm, I'm getting there. And maybe I like him in action scenes too. I think it's fun to see them kind of two-handedly swinging at these aliens uh, and everybody gets uh, a lot of, oh no, I'm I'm already onto the search. Uh, he gets, <laughs> he, him and Quark could get a little bit of a, of a great fight scene and that's cool. And it's cool to see Quark kind of instinctively pick that up and shoot and, and the moment between he's just like, thanks. At the end of the day, it's not like you're going to let me die. Mm-hmm. Neither of them. Well, he wouldn't, he wouldn't leave him behind. He wouldn't leave him behind and Quark's not just going to run away on his own either. Nope, nope. They were they were kind of tied together. The, if there's one thing I know, it's that Quark is hard to ignore. I thought right. it was a great line. And he just, hello, hello, you know, we need food and water. And then trying to make a deal. And, and as soon as they uh-huh, show the up, Tulaberry the wine. first thing he does is he tries to he tries to bribe him. I have a thousand vats of it. Which is just such a Quark moment. Yep. So, you know, that's just that very, very character, very character. So, so I, I think about his. Sorry, I, I tangented off on Quark again, but I wanted to talk about Cisco. So the first thing I noticed as I watched this episode and saw saw those those half puppy dog eyes that Jake gave when he asked if Nog could come along, mm. and then the full puppy dog for Quark. Please, I I, I want I want Nog. So it's got to be both of them. So please. And and you could, and I just thought I had a five-year-old daughter at the time that this episode aired. Ah, connections. Boy, do I know one of the reasons I love this man. 
So he is, he is as much as I can tell, trying to be super dad and succeeding wherever he can. And what a cool life Jake Sisko gets to live, even though some of it gets a little crazy sometimes. Okay. If we're going to do that, like at this point in time, I know I don't mean to nitpick, but there has got to be a way without having two kids destroy the autopilot and almost die like 18 times from just pulling chips out of a motherboard or whatever that is. Yes. Console thing. (laughs) I'm so technical. I, no, I <laughs> like there has to be a failsafe that you could give a kid. Maybe the original idea of him not going to the Gamma Quadrant, but actually learning to fly, would have been a better one to do first. How about just a single button that's programmed to automatically return the thing back to the station if anything goes wrong? The, the, and you say, if something goes wrong, you can come in here. Right. Because things happen. Right. Uh, things happen a lot in Star Trek. Right. I mean, they are. it's supposed to be a safe planet, but apparently it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, that would have been so. Yeah, Jessica's logic point out of the week. I guess so, and it's a fun one. No, it's a fun one. That's a good one. It just seems like wow, they put these two in a. Granted, you never like. Obviously, they didn't mean to get kidnapped. Made for some fun moments while they tried to figure out, you know, fire phasers, right? <laughs> Evasive maneuvers. What happened to the ship? It went into warp. Oh. So it didn't notice us and just flew right past while we were panicking. Okay, but it was fun. Fun, fun yes. play. Yeah, a little bit fun play. A little bit over the top, but what the hell? I give I give them a B plus. I'm d- yeah, I'm done with that. Since you were tangenting off on Quark, yes, we might as well tangent all the way, because while he wasn't necessary, it's kind of like listening to the whiny kid in the back seat. Where you're just like, ah, just stop. Uh, it wasn't bad because Harvey Shimmerman plays it so well. Yes, when he calls out the humans yeah he's not wrong no he's not he's so not wrong and he's so not wrong it's like one of the beautiful moments of this episode i wrote i wrote the whole line down here so okay humans humans used to be a lot worse than ferengi slavery concentration camps interstellar war we have nothing in our past that approaches your kind of barbarism you see we're nothing like you we're better now, if you'll excuse me, I have a lock to pick, <laughs> which is so perfect. By the way, a lock you told me to pick. Because he wouldn't have even been talking to that lady. Right, exactly. Like, like that's your plan, to have me use my skill that you look at down your nose at me for having. Yep. And it didn't need a sci-fi metaphor. We didn't need to have a whole other alien. It was him saying straight out humans and then us looking at all of our stuff in our history. Uh, which And it's a lot like Q, a little bit less putting putting Picard on trial. It's like, yeah, this all happened. I mean, that was ridiculous because what's Picard going to do about it? But Quark pointing it out so blatantly. And I have a question specifically for you that might get a little bit complicated. Uh-oh, do I need to put on my seatbelt? No, 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 it's not bad. And we'll keep we'll keep to the Ferengi human thing. We won't bring it to Earth and right now. That'll oh, just... sure we won't. Yeah, because this isn't a metaphor for anything. <laughs> for us to not receive the mail. Yeah, do it. Let's hear <laughs> okay. it. Am I bigoted if I personally dislike an entire culture but I can still recognize that individuals in that culture are different and don't necessarily exemplify that culture all the time. So I personally can look at the Ferengi and say, 
You capitalistic, misogynistic, horrible trolls. However, I wouldn't treat Quark with dislike because I actually really like the guy at this point. And so does everybody else. Cisco likes him. Odo freaking makes a point of being like, oh, well, yeah, he needs to be in like jail, but it's better if he's in like my jail. Please, Odo, you just want your friend taken care of. Let's be honest. <laughs> you start to see the the, the love yeah. in the love-hate relationship there. Oh, yeah. The total frenemies, sure. So so the question becomes, what's bigotry? That's that's the real question that I think mm. you're, you're asking here. And, it, and with, I'm not sure we're going to be able to come up with an answer. Stay tuned, folks. When we get to Talking Trek, we'll have the answer to what is bigotry. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah, we'll just solve <laughs> One of the hardest things ever about humans. Bigotry, when a large group of people acts in a particular way that makes somebody dislike them, is that enough to call it bigotry? If it is a hurdle that you have to personally get over to enjoy being around someone, and it is with Quark, mm-hmm. then it's it's that it's it's a gatekeeper that that cultural bias that you look at that and be like, ugh, I don't like this about your entire society. What if they're exceptionally loud? What if they're exceptionally, you know, they they, they have a lot of, uh, I don't know, body piercing? Well, this is why I was going to keep it Ferengi. What if they have just giant earlobes and that's disgusting to you? What if they clean their ear hair? What if they, <laughs> so I don't know, but I, I'd, I'd have to go with yes, because then you're stopping yourself. There's an, there's an automatic hurdle that you've set up because of that stereotype. That's bigotry. So I can, I can look at, I guess, so here's the thing is, it, 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 the bigotry isn't in noticing that a particular group of Ferengi. individuals, be they Ferengi, be they Vulcans, be they humans, or mm-hmm. whatever, have a trait which you personally find uncomfortable, annoying, disturbing, in some way counter to what's normal for you. The question is, does that it that, that exist, does that, that thought exist matter in how you interact with them? I'll go back to what Dax said. I was thinking of this too. Yeah, in Rules of Acquisition. Yep. In Rules of Acquisition, where she was just like, once you get past that, they're really fun. They're a lot of fun. Yep. That's a woman who has given up her bigotry of that. She sees it as annoying, and it doesn't matter to her. Right. So right. is she bigoted? Was Kira? I don't know. <laughs> no, no, no. He See, here's the difference between that, is it was very specifically a cultural thing that was hurting an entire subset of their population. So for Kira, it, it's not about... Am I bigoted? It's about look at all these people that you are hurting, and she is a like social justice warrior. It's built into her. So I don't think that's bigotry for her, although in other ways, she's totally bigoted against the Ferengi. Yeah, sure. But that particular instance, I don't think it was. I think I think you're discovering one of the hidden long-term messages of Deep Space Nine is how we address different cultures. When we can't leave. Especially when we can't leave. We're all stuck yep. there. We, we have yep. no choice. We are. You want to talk about the melting pot of the universe? DS9. 
Yeah. We've got, oh, I almost feel like I can come up with a, with a, we've got Ferengis and humans and Vulcans and Bajorans. We've got way more aliens than humans way more. on this station. By, by a lot. Way right? more. So when Quark calls out, hey, Cisco, where are your Ferengi friends? And Cisco's got nothing. Anyway, so that was... I don't I don't have any answers, but it's definitely it's it was one of those small things in this episode that wasn't necessarily the entire episode, but was really good. I thought it, it was a big reveal for me when I saw it. What you know, and I like a big discovery when I saw it. That's the word I'm looking for. Because it, it got me thinking about this exact thought is how do we treat others and what is acceptable and how do you know with, there are some cultures out there that being polite is to them rude. How do you deal with them? Do you be rude because that will make them feel better, but that makes you feel worse? Now it's it's all, it's the culture clash. And it's given us a lot of opportunity to look back at ourselves as humans. There's a really interesting trait too that wasn't quite brought up, but the greedy nature of the Ferengi sure does balance out. They don't hate anyone. Anyone's money's good there. Yep. So Quark will bend over backward as long as it's worth it. And that's a great equalizer. He doesn't care if it's Morn, if it's a Klingon, if it's across the board. There's no way he's going to be bigoted. He's going to do his best to make a money. Yeah, exactly. You start to see that he has a pretty strong code of ethics. It just doesn't match what we right. humans want to admit is ours. It may be closer to ours than we care to admit, and he makes that point so beautifully in this episode. Mm -hmm. You're a lot closer to us than you think, and you're a lot worse than us in ways. So shut your pie hole there, Cisco. Yeah, it was it was a good one. Yep. Armin Shimmerman had a – he talks about this a lot. Armin Shimmerman, who played Quark, um, mentioned in interviews, in conventions, about a cast system that seemed to get created that – the human characters on Deep Space Nine set were treated better by the crew, like the the filming crew, right. by craft services, by the studio, than were the aliens. And then even the aliens were treated at different levels based on which aliens they were. Like the Bajorans were treated better than the Ferengi, according to him, in certain ways, like being given access to certain... I don't know what. You like that we look more like you. Isn't that interesting? It so rings true. There's no doubt in my mind that if he felt that, it was real. It was probably real in some way, or it was a part of the character that he created, and he he believed it so much that it bled over into real life. But I wouldn't doubt it. No, we love pretty, and whatever we consider pretty in some kind of culture, we cater to that. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to create a pretty Ferengi, especially when you don't see too many women. Yeah, no matter how amazing they are. I don't know what to tell you. No, I mean, that's that's really interesting. How many studly, have you seen any studly Ferengi yet? I have not. I know who the first buff Ferengi is. Ooh. And you have already met him. He's just not buff yet. Oh, okay. Is it Nog? Yeah, it is. Hey. It is. He's going to the academy and he's coming back. As a stud. That He's going to be a lean, mean. Ferengi machine. Ferengi machine. I like it. <laughs> well, okay. So now that we've talked about that, I want to do one tiny call out because uh, 
The first time I even noticed Morn was when he was getting kicked off at the beginning of the episode. Yes. And now I saw him when he's interrupted. And we were so close. We were so close to hearing his voice. Yep. It was right there. And I just imagine it's like a high-pitched shrill. Sure. Or maybe like a clicky noise. Could be. Could be. You know, or like the the tuba sound from Inception. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, had to call that out. Yeah, I, but but you're noticing him now, and it's cute. I love it. Yeah, um, you will continue to. He, I, I would not be surprised if he was in every episode that you see. And you've I have seen. no, I had no idea. I don't know how many total episodes there are, but my guess would be he's probably in 80 percent of the entire series, and and always with moments like that where you just so close to hearing this close, or you just missed the conversation that just ended. You missed the joke he told. They cut to it just as he finished. So yeah, Morn's cool. All right, are you ready to talk about what we should actually talk about in this episode? Yeah, let's get to it. Let's talk about the Jem'Hadar. Or the Dominion. Or the Dominion. Or Talak Talon. Or the Founders. Because I don't know who any of these, or what the distinction... I mean, the Jem'Hadar are the soldiers, obviously. Allow me to remind you, at this moment, we're still in talking episode, and you have not seen the search yet. No, but this was mentioned in the Jem'Hadar show up. They are totally cloaked right up until they're moving, which makes no sense to me, but okay. They're soldiers. I got yes. that. Yes. Well, you know who the Jem'Hadar... You learn who the Jem'Hadar is, definitely. Right. The girl that gets caught Eris. with them, Eris, is who is not who she appears to be, apparently. We do find that out by the end of this episode. And either she's lying about being a founder or she's totally not a founder. That's correct. Either she's lying about it or uh-huh. at this moment, that's correct. <laughs> that is correct. We don't know. Stay tuned for Talking Track. Okay. Uh, where we spoil all that. But we did get to hear they know way more than we know. Yes. They are clearly learning more about us. And they even say so. We learn. We gain more knowledge every day and now we have you to tell us more. Right. The Jem'Hadar says to Sisko before being disappointed that he's not a Klingon. Well, yes, which was a great moment. Isn't that great? Loved, loved that. The Jem'Hadar are a very vicious... I mean, they're soldiers. That's all they are. What Eris what said in the containment field was not a lie. Everything about the Jem'Hadar is deadly. And that is the case. Even their ships look mean and spiky. These were beautiful ships. We'll save that for Talking Trek. Yep. Their, to- their technology definitely seems to be way beyond ours. She beams away, and nobody knows where, but it's clearly a long way away. Yep. Because there's nothing in the vicinity. So they've got that. Yes. She's got telekinesis. Yes. She's got that, that right? weird zappy power. And I don't know what happened with New Bajor, but they're also, with all of that technology, they're also pretty pissed that people and things are coming through the wormhole and invading their space. They considered it to be an incursion on their territory. I think had they just established and sent somebody through the opposite way and said, hey, cut this out, we consider this our territory, that the Federation, at the very least, now I don't know about all the other governments, but anybody who's in the Federation or all the governments around that would have to respect that. But they don't. They just apparently kill everything that comes on the other side? That doesn't seem very effective. Well, um, Unless you just really enjoy killing. They certainly seem to, that seems to be their modus operandi. They don't they don't care whether they don't or not talk. They don't ask. No, they don't seem to, to, to 
in, they don't care about her intention. They just, nope, you don't come over here. This is our stuff and we're going to defend it. And that's how they do it is they kill everything that comes. So yeah, um, not a great find. Maybe not the, the, the bountiful harvest of tulaberry wine that Quark was hoping for because these Jem'Hadar guys are pretty nasty. And then this, this heiress who turns out to be something. Right. We're just dancing around the fact that the very mm-hmm. next episode, which is the beginning of season three, is literally just right there. <laughs> but we got to finish talking episode here. And I only have a couple more things because I did take this as its own thing. Yes. When I was writing my notes. She did seem to be fully aware, or once you, once you play it back, because I totally believed she was who she said she was. Uh Right up until the end. Yeah. And I, I enjoy that. I, I don't want to like second guess Star Trek and come up with new things. I like when it's revealed the way it is. And I'm like, oh, wow, she's so much more evil than we thought she was or whatever. <laughs> but as a spy, she puts herself originally in the position of being chased by the Jem'Hadar. Yes. Now, whether they know, I'm assuming that they know she is. They did. The, their good guy. We'll spoil that right now for you. I mean, you didn't know it here, but yeah, oh yeah, this was their plan. They fully recognize that they're sending the message that the Jem'Hadar is evil. They're bad guys. So they know they're bad guys. I don't know why that was a big deal to me. It just kind of was. Okay. It's it's not even a matter of perspective. It's not like you're encroaching on our territory and we have every right to defend ourselves. It's not that. It's not an understandable thing. When the Jem'Hadar ship suicides into what looks like the Enterprise. The Odyssey. Thank you. Which was like, oh, that's weird to watch. It was very uncomfortable. I did not like that. I was like, oh, this could have been the Enterprise. Yeah, that's weird to watch that thing. Just it's like, um, okay, that wasn't the Enterprise. I know that wasn't the Enterprise. I had that feeling. Yes, totally. (laughs) I think all that did was one sets up the the heights that they will go to. Yes. Because everybody was shocked. Like, you didn't have to do that. We were turning around. It was so obvious. Why would you do that? And so not only the extent, but that we don't understand their motivation at all. Well, we... And that's what I was left with at the very end. Like, we get the extent that they'll go to. You're right. We we should get to Talking Trek now because the motivation will start to come into focus over there. I think it will. Let's talk Trek then. Because I feel like this one's going to be heavy on the Trekkie ds 9 Yeah, yeah. So w- I promised we would talk about the search. Uh, here's what. Here's my agenda for Talking Trek. This may be the first time we go bigger with Talking Trek than Talking Episode. I like it. I want to talk about the search, parts one and two, which is episodes one and two of the third season. You're so lucky I watched this. I knew you would. Otherwise, you'd basically be talking to yourself. I would. I, I, I have it all ready to spoil for anyone that doesn't watch it, but now's your chance. Go back. Oh, go watch it. This is the best DS9 I've seen so far. Yes, and we're going to make it better next time. Fantastic. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, because this is, this, is, this is our new bar. It got good. This is our new bar, okay? This is, and that's yes. what I wanted to bring you up to. I had to get you to this point. So we're going to talk about the search, and then we're going to talk about the third season, of which we're going to watch no episodes on your track. None. We're going right to the fourth season. Okay. So I'm guessing a lot of spoilers because there's no way a lot of stuff doesn't happen. Oh, yeah. Like all of the things are going to happen. Tons of stuff. So let's start by talking about the search. Okay. You don't have to rate it. 
You don't have to give me any in-depth stuff. Just tell me what you thought was cool. I loved all of the reveals. So learning about the motivation, which we just left off with before, I got to see that. Odo and Kira, that journey. Mm-hmm. So almost elegantly done in the in the pacing of the they're in the garden and it's very slow. And then you have all of the action on the other side, which I did figure out wasn't real. But it's only, honestly, because I've watched Stargate. And Stargate, I did not know this before, but they have stolen, just completely ripped off <laughs> so much Star Trek. Like, from the animated series, from the original series, the ideas, these chairs that those guys sit in. <laughs> God, they look familiar. If you're familiar with Stargate, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, anyway, had to call that out just as a fan of both. I did not realize how much... They just welcome to science fiction. Sto- took right good off. stories with new faces on them. Often, you know, hey, did you know that the Lion King is the ha- is Hamlet? Oh my God! You didn't know that. I didn't. You really That's didn't know so that. So obvious. Yeah. How have I never? <laughs> That's so obvious. Yeah. Okay. There's there's no new stories. Yeah, I just mean even like prop wise, they could have been a little bit more creative in the years following. Like you didn't have to make it look yeah quite <laughs> exact. I mean, go go further. Take take a look around at what's going on right now in the world of technology and push that forward because that's what Star Trek did. Yeah originally that I really love about their art direction. And when I look back, it's the same thing. Like they were doing stuff that looked like the eighties in the sixties. That is because somebody was paying attention to all of the direction of the culture around them and pushing it even further. It's just, anyway, that's part of the reason why I've fallen in love with Star Trek. And if you don't do that, then it's sad. I think it's a missed opportunity. Oh, I just love hearing you say that. I love hearing you say that. You have you have really fallen in love with Deep Space Nine too, haven't you? All of us, like like. I certainly am after these two. The search, I mean, just it hit me just like a punch in the face, kind of. Yeah. Uh, just really, it got good. I know. I know. I know. Give me nine episodes. I will get you so connected to Deep Space Nine. You'll have to binge at least four seasons of it. I don't have time for that right now, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> I know that I will, and it's going to be great. I know. This was my dastardly plan all along. And then we're going to just drop it. That's what you're going to do. You're going to be like, and you can watch the rest of this really amazing stuff on your own. And and, and the, the hammer hath fallen already. It is too late. Indeed. The trap is sprung. It, it's over. You've already been ensnared. I'm just sitting there with my cheese happily in the cage. So, But it's really, really tasty cheese. <laughs> so good. So let's talk about the search. So okay, uh, sorry. Yeah. Yes, so we've got that's... we've got these two different storylines going on. We've got the Kira and Odo story, mm-hmm. and this is the beginning of a relationship that these two will share all the way to the final episode. That becomes every kind of relationship you can imagine. So they go through friendships and romance and really and betrayal and everything Ooh. together. It's it's so you remember we talked about in in Next Gen, mm-hmm. I don't want the big the big soap, soap opera. Yeah. Well, okay, so near the end and I'll spoil this for you now cuz you need to know this like later way later on. Okay. Um Worf does ha- start to date Deanna. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew that finishing up next gen. Yeah. That does yeah. happen. The, the romances aren't really there, but we get to see a romance here. 
between, and this is the beginning of it, is as they share these experiences together and really This is what I love about long storylines is that I've already seen moments. Kira, even just in the episodes that I have seen, has gone to Odo's office and sat down and asked for advice as a friend. Yeah, yeah. So seeing her alone with him in the garden and the the things they talk about and the trust that's building, absolutely. It doesn't go from episodic adventure, episodic adventure, episodic adventure, kiss. It's It can't. And that's, to me, that's what makes it totally worth watching is, you're right, the investment. You have to have that investment up front. Yeah, it's one of the longest slow plays out there. Fun. Good. I like that. I don't know when Odo falls in love with her. It may have happened in this episode. It may have started in this episode. Mm. But it's it's a very long, wonderful story and a fantastic part that will will, will blossom over the next. And she has a, a love affair with someone else it's, it, that's coming up in the next season. And right. yeah, there's all kinds of stuff happening there. That was a really, just truly, I enjoyed the moments and they were slower, and they were great. And Odo found his people. And Odo finds his people. But before we do that, I also want to just mention, uh, because if we're talking about kind of slow love building for characters, Garrick surprised me. Oh. And then he died, and I was just like, wait, no, wait, no, wait, no. <laughs> that was me. And I was like, wait, how did I get so attached to this guy? Uh-huh. He's fantastic. Yes. And he's just snide and offhand, and it's great. Uh-huh. So I have to mention that I really enjoy his character at this point, and I'm yeah. really looking forward, and I'm glad he didn't die. You will fall in love with him in the next episode of your track. I promise. Oh, okay. That's, I promise. That wouldn't surprise me, because I'm already like right up on the edge of, like, this guy is awesome. Yeah, I can't wait to talk about it, about that when we get to next week. Cool. But, but. Uh, see, do you see how much I've been holding back? Yes, there's so much. I've been holding all of this back, because the Dominion... You're, you were not ready for the Dominion until now. Now, in only six episodes, because that's what you got, you have gotten everything you need to get into the meat of Deep Space Nine. Okay, I do have to say, I think that, yes, they could have done this in season one. Maybe. I was to- I was totally ready. You didn't have to have three seasons of buildup to give me a good story. Yeah, I don't think they were ready for this in season one. But the thing that struck me the most about Odo finding his people, aside from like me actually just super loving it, his quirks and character of just being kind of an uptight OCD, it works. I get it. Oh, yeah. And I don't know if they, well, I doubt that three seasons in, some writer got really, really good in saying, hey, we're going to make this a part of... However, mm-hmm. it also gave me that thing because the lady, I don't remember her name now, uh, the one he's talking to as a mentor, she's the one guiding him. Well, there's a lot to say. Okay, so her name is, and I'm going to spell it too because I want to make sure I get it right. It's Female Changeling is the name of the of the character, and it's Salome or Salam Jens. I, I'm, I cannot be pronouncing it right. S-A-L-O-M-E-J-E-N-S. Salome, Salam, Salome, Jens. Another one we have to correct at some point. Female changeling, uh, the one who was mentoring him 
about being a changeling did mention that they had implanted in his DNA a desire to come home. And then she kind of subtly later on says some other stuff like, no, it's in you that you need order and to... Yes. And that I thought was great as a... as a This, this is why Odo is the way it's he is. It's very much about him. You kept asking for, when are we going to learn more about Odo? When are we going to learn more about Odo? Guess what? And you were so good about your, like, it's a big deal. Odo gets involved in the Dominion a little bit. Don't you think maybe a little bit Mm -hmm. he's kind of involved considering he's the one founder, at least that we know of, that has forsaken his people? Welcome to Odo's world. Mm Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the spoilers that all so much happened in the search. Yeah. So, so um, number one, we have a new ship. The Defiant. The Defiant. That's real. With a cloaking device. That is real. Can I, like, yes, another thing. Why are we always borrowing cloaking devices from aliens? Like, why doesn't the Federation, how come we haven't built one ourselves? And then O'Brien at some point is shocked. They're like, a Federation ship with a cloak. Like, yes, you should have this by now. Okay, I want to I look at your face when I, when I give you this answer. The Treaty of Algernon. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> That's all I need to say. <laughs> I just wanted to see your face when I said, oh, I have the answer to that. So there, I mean, hey, as long as there's a, you know, retcon reason. We wrote a treaty with the Romulans that we would never use cloaking technology on our ships. It was a bad treaty. Yeah, you think? Well, hey, they, at least you have an answer. Somebody thought of it. I'm just like, we got to stop borrowing other aliens stuff. Well, and and we'll get to keep the, the, the we get to keep the ship for the for the run of the show. And, Do we get to keep the angry Romulan lady? Uh, no, no, oh, okay. actually, the, the, show the, up again? The, the borrow of the no, we don't we don't have to deal with that mess. Um, but the Romulans will be involved in the war. Everyone will, um, as you could tell from the end of the search. Right. It's this is going to be a big deal. We got some stuff happening here. We've got we've got these shapeshifters. Sorry, changelings. Odo calls himself a shapeshifter. Mm-hmm. These changelings, are, as they call themselves, uh, are the founders. So that's a deal we have to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, the Jemadar are mean. We don't know about these Vorta yet. I'm not seeing any Tulaberry wine in Quark's future. So we are in big trouble. And the guy who did the trading at the beginning with Quark... Saying, well, I guess you could go to this relay center. That's where we get all our messages. He was, I got to call him out because he was very enjoyable to watch and I really liked him. Oh, oh, the guy at the very. Yeah. Right. The one that, the one who wanted to stay behind, that Quark wanted to stay behind with. Yes. Fill his pockets. Because. By the way, Quark, smart. Right. Self-preservation right there. Run away, run away. He has uh, he has his own set of ethics. I believe we said that. Yes. And he follows them. To the letter. Absolutely. So what else did we find out? We found out... That's kind of... I mean, isn't that enough? Mm. Well, the, the only other thing that, that I'll just point out that was kind of interesting was they let everybody go because Odo said to. And that was enough. It was. And that is where I think something is probably going to hinge his connection because he is the rest of them as well. If you think about this link, this ocean of goo, there's no reason for them to come out as humans. I know why Odo does it, because that's what he's been around. So, yeah. But it was surprising that they took that shape. 
And I assume they took that shape because he took that shape. There was a, so much in this that you could explore with Changelings and Odo, and I my mind just went wild, and it was great. Yeah. Is there anything else on the search that you wanted? I'm not asking for a rating. If you wanted to give a rating, you could certainly give oh, a rating. Oh, five out of five. Oh. That was the most enjoyable DS9 I have had. I got up from watching those two just, like, giddy with sci-fi joy. They were great. Let's talk about the third season. Okay. Which we're going to completely skip. Skipping, yeah. Of course we are. Because... Because because there's too much good stuff and I get two more episodes. Two more Deep Space Nine episodes. You're very upset about this. You know I'm going to watch it all eventually. Of course I do. It's not on this track. Uh, of course I do. This was this was part of my plan. This and, and all of you listening, you're all going to watch it too. I know it's too late. You've been you've been trapped too. You're all trapped in the in in Deep Space Nine. So uh, I mentioned some good character stories already in the third season: House of Quark, Profit Motive, and Family Business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Give us a chance for Quark to meet Klingons, another episode with uh, Grand Nagus Zek, and then we get to meet Moogie for the first time, his mom. Right. Equilibrium and Facets were Dax's history, where she learns about being a serial killer. Mm-hmm. We mentioned that. If you want to see O'Brien suffer... Because O'Brien must suffer. Because O'Brien must suffer. Check out Visionary. That's a fun one. Okay. Bashir gets better. In the future, I promise. But if you can't wait for that, Life Support's a pretty good Bashir episode. Okay. And for those of you who wanted to learn a little bit more about Odo, did I mention the search yet? (laughs) I think we're well past that. I'm going to mention another episode in in here. So now let's talk about the Dominion stories. And there's not many in the third season. Really? They stay on their side. We stay on our side. For the most part. But there's a great episode, and this one I'm going to put on the recommended list. Okay. This one is called The Abandoned. Okay. And it's the sixth episode of the third season. And in this, we find a baby who grows up incredibly fast to be a Jem'Hadar soldier. And he becomes incredibly attached to Odo. Interesting. And not surprising. Okay. With all of the changelings being what they do with genetics. Okay. You will get to understand the motivation of the Jem'Hadar significantly. And you'll also learn about a little something called Ketracel White, which is a drug that the Dominion uses to control the Jem'Hadar. Okay. Uh, And then also in uh, the Dominion, the last episode of the third season, the 26th episode, is called The Adversary. Okay. And I'm really going to suggest this one for you, too, because in this episode, we learn that while we've pretty much not been going over to their side, they've been coming over to our side a little bit, and Changelings have infiltrated various parts of Federation society. Interesting. Maybe more. And the adversary shows... The beginning of us discovering the incursion by the founders, not the Jem'Hadar, but the founders. No, I mean, if you can be anything, go ahead, be a necklace that rides on somebody uppity. You could, you could be a bag just like Odo has turned into before and just get carried around everywhere, listening and learning. I mean, yeah, you don't really need spies when you are everything that can be around you. Yep. Cool. Very cool. 
Okay, so there's two episodes that I'm recommending. Those are the Dominion War stories, and they're really the only two of the of the third season that are of, of significant consequence. There's some mentions and things like that, but that's it. Okay, question yeah. super quick about the Dominion slash changelings. Yes. Aside from do they have to take the shape of something that is the size that they are, which clearly no. So physics, eh. Physics, yeah. Eh. We could talk about that if you really want to. No, 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 no. I had an actual... Do they have the same rule that Odo does in every 16 hours, they also become goo? No. Okay, so that's just him. No, actually, that is something I think you learn in The Abandon. Uh, if not The Abandon, you learn it somewhere in the third season, so I'll tell it to you now. Uh, okay. And I know because I actually watched... I, I, I've, I've been getting ready to move, so I basically binge-watched the entire third season. While packing? <laughs> awesome. Uh, which is why I know so many of these stories right now, because I've just been at home packing boxes and watching Star Trek. So during the third season, at some point, um, because he has now started shape-shifting and he actually requests quarters... Good. ...which he decorates... Nice with some things so that he can start to shapeshift. And when he wants to regenerate now, he just returns to his gelatinous state and that's how he relaxes. But it doesn't, it isn't like this thing. Cause it was such a big deal. Even in the search with Quark watching, he doesn't like it. It's such a shameful thing. So he learns how he doesn't have to do that. He's starting to um, be a little bit more comfortable with who he is as a shapeshifter. Like okay. That was sorry. That tangent. Um, I thought maybe that that might come up if they have to revert to that form. No, that's a great. That's a great question. Who knows what you could do? That's that's when you trap the evil people. I don't know. Let's talk about some fun, fun some okay. fun stories. Let's talk about some fun ones. Some of my favorites. So, civil defense is kind of a fun one where uh, there was apparently this hidden security thing on Deep Space Nine back when it was a Cardassian thing. And in case there was an uprising of any kind, it was designed to like automatically lock down the station and cause all kinds of grief for anybody not Cardassian. And this is fun? Oh, it's a fun episode. As they all like run for their lives from the station. The station almost becomes the enemy in this show. Goldicott's recordings of Bajoran workers, please give up and and return to your masters you know that that pop on the screen every few okay. minutes is just like creepy fun stuff so civil defense through the looking glass is the third season mirror universe the moo episode moo. uh where we continue in the moo mm-hmm. past tense if you want to get timey wimey um it's a really interesting episode now i know that that's a lot and i really didn't give you i i really didn't give you the 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 episode numbers of anything I didn't want you to go watch. So the, there's only two I actually gave you. The Abandoned and The Adversary. The Abandoned, six, and The Adversary, 26. I'm going to okay. add one more because I always give you three. Okay. So here's the third one. Explorers. It is the gem of the third season. Okay. Episode 22. Can I watch this like straight from where I'm at now? Yep. You can cool. go right to episode, you can do episode six, you can do 22, you can do you can do any of them at this point in the third season that, that we've mentioned or not. Okay. But these are all good ones. But Explorers is just a, just a gem. It's a, it's a father-son episode with, with Jake and, and um, Ben Sisko. Mm-hmm. And it's beautiful. The special effects are beautiful. The story is beautiful. Wonderfully told. Love it. And that's the third season. All right. 
What's up for next week? Okay, so next week we are going to, let's see. I got some spoilers to tell you first. I got a few spoilers to tell you about. As opposed to all of the spoilers that came with the trek we just talked about. Yeah, these are spoilers actually that uh, um, aren't we haven't I haven't mentioned yet. So, okay. in the movie Generations, Deanna Troy sort of crashed the Enterprise. <laughs> okay. Twice. Was it funny? It's funny now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, it wasn't her fault. Basically, she was handed the wheel to the Enterprise while we were already slipping on the ice. Really not her job. It's not her fault, but a lot of people okay. make fun of her for of having been sure. there. And by then she was fully trained and qualified. But just so oh, you know, okay. Okay. Emp- Empowered <laughs> Deanna was was handed an impossible task to keep, and she did. She kept everybody alive. Good for her. <laughs> she skipped that saucer section along the ground instead of crashing it like a... Like fully crashing it, Sure. Like fully crashing it. So she did good. She did She gave good. a glancing blow. She did. So we have to know this because. Because when it comes up in this episode, mm-hmm. don't want you to be like, what What happened to the Enterprise? So it happened. Okay. It's a thing. All right. Um, also, we talked about the search and the changeling. So that's not a spoiler. Um, uh, so we talked about the adversary and how changelings are now infiltrating. Mm-hmm. At the beginning of Way of the Warrior, we are going to see... Basically, this is how you deal with a changeling when it's loose on the station. Gotcha. So I wanted to make sure you knew about that. And then one pop culture rumor that was spreading around at this time that uh, because we didn't really have internet at this point to just have it all confirmed in IMDb. Well, this was like mid-90s, right? Yep. Yep. But there wasn't an IMDb. We didn't have all the we didn't have all the connections that we do now, but way pre-Google, everybody. We were gonna be getting a new cast member. A new cast member would be joining the show for for uh, the fourth season. And that's where we're starting, um, or where we are continuing your trek is in the fourth season with episodes one and two. Okay, so the at the first, beginning. The first episodes of the fourth season called The Way of the Warrior. The Way of the Warrior. I've heard this title before. Why have I heard this title before? I may have mentioned it once or twice, but this one's popular. Oh, God, it's one of those. (laughs) Okay. Oh, yes, this is definitely one of those. This is one of those, thank God you got to this. They're all waiting for this episode. They all are dying for you to see this episode. Okay. Well, I'll let you know what I think. I'm going to be watching that on Sunday, the 27th. Yes, uh, May 27th, Sunday, 7 p.m., that's the plan. There you so go. Via mountain time. My first response is, yeah. Or first, I'm sorry. My first reactions at Begin the Trek on Twitter. Uh, if you want to look them up later, they do show up on the website, as we've said before, beginningthetrek.com. And I don't know. Like, uh, it, we say that Facebook shows them, but I think you have to go digging. If you want to engage with us there, it's at Beginning the Trek. So talk to us. See what you think. Especially you DS9 folk. I don't know. What's your favorites? There you go. Now, you've gotten all the spoilers, except I'm going to give you one more personal note, and then I'm going to ask you to give me your prediction for Way of the Warrior. So, here's my personal note. One of my all-time favorite, maybe my all-time favorite scene from all of Star Trek is in this episode. Ooh. It is the scene about the root beer. 
And that's all I'm going to say. So when you see the scene about root beer, that's okay. the scene I'm talking about. We're going to talk a lot about that scene next week. It's my favorite scene of like ever. All. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And very indicative, I think, of Star Trek. I am thinking about my prediction. Ah. It's a two-parter, so that's a tough one, but we'll go with it. The first part is going to be, since you said there's a new cast member, and I know that Klingons will be joining us, I believe it is Worf. So I'm going to say it's Worf, because I believe that to be true. I don't know 100%. Um, he is going to come onto the station pursuing a changeling and god i hope the changeling is root beer and he just like bat lets the root beer <laughs> over and over because obviously that won't do anything but it sounds like a fun episode like or it sounds like a fun little thing and then the second part is going to be uh him getting asked to stay and the changeling dealing with the repercussions of they've caught it and what do they do with it now okay that's what i think is gonna happen I got it. All right. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Okay. Um, um, now we'll go see how wrong I am. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, Don't tell me how wrong I am. I want to. I'm not going to. I, I won't spoil how wrong you are except to say this one thing. Damn, I would love to see Worf battle a bottle of root beer. I would just love to see that. Right? That would be so that awesome. That sounds great. So, like, somebody draw a picture of that. Let's get some fan art in here. <laughs> so, um, enjoy The Way of the Warrior. I will enjoy The Way of the Warrior, and we'll see you guys next week. Cisco at one point is sitting there with uh, opposite Garrick, yes. and he has a cup in front of him, and it is a blue mug, and it is one of the stupidest designs for any object that I have ever seen. I just want somebody to go into this scene and think about drinking out of a cup that is, it is shaped one that of the way. dumbest mug, shapes whatever. a mug could ever have. The only way it works is if you're if the base of that triangle mug is completely ceramic and actually forms a regular mug bottom. And that that and triangle and Cisco has a just bright extra. blue mug and it is shaped like a mug at the top kind of thing. And then it goes into a it's not a triangle. What is it when a triangle is 3D? Kind of a pyramid shape at the bottom. And I just want you to think about drinking out of a pyramid shape that then goes... It's just if one you're going to have somebody who can design iPads like 40 years before iPads come out, you can't just be like, we're going to willy-nilly throw the worst awful version of a... That'd be like taking the wheel and being like, we now have square wheels because space. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> It's a space mug. <laughs>